Hello, and welcome to the first Ask the Expert podcast at the Royal Geographical Society with Institute of British Geographers. This recording is part of our growing series of interviews, questions and answers from leading geographical experts and practitioners. I'm Laura, educational resource writer at the Society, and this week I spoke to Dr Ollie Mould, lecturer in human geography at Royal Holloway, University of London. Dr Mould's research explores global cities, gentrification and creative practices that make, shape and subvert placemaking processes. Um, okay, so Ollie, could you uh, briefly explain what your research focuses on? Yes, well my research focuses on um, urban geography specifically, um, looking at how um, creativity has influenced some of the bigger themes in urban geography, um, particularly around gentrification and urban development. Um, And I've recently been looking at um, global cities, particularly London, um, but other ones as well, and how uh, when the global city discourse develops in these areas, what sort of things happen to the to their spaces. Um, so look at Canary Wharf, look at Wall Street, um, the typical large financial centres develop, but also around um, the social aspect as well. So, you know, they're very unequal cities, um, in particularly places like London. At the moment, you get a lot of protests around housing and different things like that. So um, looking at the ways in which uh, creativity plays a role in those processes, so how creativity plays a role in the development of the global city officially, but also how people use creativity to protest and to um, in activism against some of these processes. And could you tell us a little bit more about how your research intersects with this idea of gentrification and what gentrification means to you? Yes, so gentrification was a term originally coined by Ruth Glass back in 1964, I believe. And um, she, originally, she originally talked about um, gentrification as a class issue. So it was traditionally the middle class going into working class areas and um, doing up the city, you know, doing up the houses really at a very local neighbourhood scale. And again, it was focused on London, her study was on London. Um, 50 years later, gentrification means all sorts of different kinds of things. Um, primarily because our world is more interconnected, we have lots of different kinds of ways in which um, cities are developing. So gentrification has taken on a very different kind of um, meaning now and it involves very, very different kinds of people to just the middle class. So we have real estate developers and again you only have to walk around London to see that there's huge amounts of money being poured into um, building luxury flats, huge, like the Nine Elms Estate in Battersea, huge amounts of money and it's not just government money either, it's foreign capital, you know, from China, from India, from the Middle East, from America, from all sorts of different kinds of parts of the world, which are creating these gentrified areas. Um, And so gentrification um, is a very, very complicated process now, um, and it involves lots and lots of different kinds of processes, well, political processes from national governments, from local governments. And I believe there was a recent book uh, this year that talks about planetary gentrification. And so geographers now are really thinking about how gentrification is a, is a planetary process, how it's a global process and it involves um, people in the global south and, and how it can um, have different kinds of characteristics in different parts of the world, but it all stems from a very similar kind of process, namely the, the city development under capitalism so um, gentrification in in a very short space of time in the sort of 50 year period that we've been talking about it has changed very very uh, radically
And so then you kind of mentioned different urban developers and as their role in gentrification and in terms of creativity then, how do how do these developers use creativity or harness creativity to kind of how does that fit into gentrification and mm. and how does that affect how space is used? Creativity as a term really is used by urban developers very much um, I think as a substitute for consumption really. Um, there's a, um, many different people who have talked about creativity um, in the sort of public policy realm and um, it's a very narrow, narrowly defined version of creativity. Mm. I think it's looking at ways in which people can produce more stuff to be consumed. So mm. we talk about the creative industries, for example. So that's film, music, publishing, advertising, those sorts of things. But they're, you know, they're they're generally large companies. They're generally producing things which we buy uh, and consume. Um, you know, producing films or uh, particular design design products or um, adverts that we watch. So um, it's urban developers use creativity very much in a way to produce more spaces which we consume. So um, cultural quarters is a term that you see banded around a lot. A lot of, um, cities in the UK are developing a cultural quarter of some kind, mm. um, but they're usually around um, consumption. So they're, they're, they're around like cafes, bars, or around a particular flagship development, be that a, a new museum or a, an art gallery or a cinema. Um, and really, they're, so they're using creativity as a sort of, I think, as a substitute for just saying, well, look, just come here and consume, just come here and spend more money, just come here and do this. And that is, um, I think, a very narrow view of creativity. So it affects how it affects how the city is used because it, it directing people to kind of use these spaces in a particular way is sort of saying well look we're creating a nice public plaza there's some really cool things for you to do you know you can sit on some nice chairs or play table tennis or play in a fountain and you know this is being creative it's kind of a creative place and that's fine and that's great and it creates very nice places to be but they often have hidden um, problems, you know, they, they, they often restrict movement, you may, might not be able to skateboard there, you might not be able to, you know, do parkour, do other kinds of things, you might not be able to protest, you might not be able to, um, if you're a homeless person in one of these places, then you often get moved on pretty quick. So these places, under the rubric of creativity, generally create places which are just commodified spaces that have, that marginalise different kinds of people. Um, so that's one of the ways in which creativity is being used. So you mentioned skateboarding and, and parkour there. Mm -hmm. How are these types of creativity distinctive? Well, they're distinctive because they are, um, for me, I think they're, they're interesting because they're using the city in a different way. They are um, taking the built environment and uh, using it in a way which perhaps wasn't originally designed. So skateboarding, for example, um, you know, they will often look at a park bench or a bank forecourt or, you know, a nice sort of landscaped piece of concrete that might have been originally designed to, you know, to direct people to walk a particular way or as a flower bed or a, to sit on or whatever it is. And the skateboarders will look at that and they think, wow, that's, that's something to grind or it's something to jump over or um, kickflip over or whatever. So. Um, and the same with parkour, people, you know, um, they'll look at something and they'll think, that, that's not a wall, that's something for me to jump on, that's a, an obstacle to get over. So the, these subcultures um, are being um, 
I guess, critical of the city to some degree. They're sort of saying, well, look, there are other ways of using the city. There are other ways of talking, of being creative. You know, they're, they're sort of saying, look, well, I'm, this is what we're doing. We're, we're using the city creatively. We're using it in a very, very different way, which is what creativity is all about. So, you know, that's kind of how these people are, are distinctive. They're using it in a very kind of, I guess, subversive kind of way. And they're kind of, as you've said, a bit more linked to the use of urban space and how urban space is arranged then. It, they're kind of quite urban in nature. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They, they are very um, um, plugged into the city. They, they know how to use it. They know which ways are best to express what they're trying to express. So, um, you know, graffiti is another good example. I mean, it, you know, there are arguments about the commodification of street art and how it's become a sort of global branding exercise. But, you know, originally back in the 70s and 80s when it was starting, people were using uh, underground trains or uh, the side of an underground um, or an underpass to put political slogans on or, you know, tagging or turf wars or whatever it is. And so they were, they were, they were very much using the city as part of their identity as part of their expression of culture or subculture so um so yeah so these these groups these subcultures are very much plugged into the urban environment because it's it's the urban environment which allows them to express themselves sort of most vehemently and so you were linked and you were quite involved with the project around the save the south bank skate park Mm -hmm. um could you tell us a little bit more about that project and how you were involved and kind of Yes, yeah, I can. Um, well, as you know, the, this, this, the skate spot um, is uh, called the Undercroft, and it's uh, under the Hayward Gallery in, in, in the, on the South Bank under the, um, in London. And, and I used to frequent this space as a, as a teenager. I wasn't very good. <laughs> um, it was William Elder Brother who kind of took me along, and I just used to like hanging out there. Um, but when I heard that they were um, going to infill the space to make it into retail outlets to help pay for the redevelopment of the South Bank. This um, just felt to me to go completely against the grain of what um, I certainly felt that cities should be for and certainly a lot of people, the skateboarding community was. It just felt inherently wrong. There was something very kind of um, dismissive about it, um, particularly as this space had been home for the UK skateboarding for, you know, for decades, since really the end of the 70s. And um, so the this this site was was really special. Um, you know, these skateboarders have been using it, and they've been using it despite attempts to get rid of them. And I think that that was um, really important that uh, we we started to um, or we we tried to fight that process and, and create a a community that you know around the skateboarders that, um, that can come together and, and try and save the space. And so, what was the outcome then? So. How did the skateboarders, they heard about the plans, the development plans, and how did they react and how did they organise themselves? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a a great story. It's a fascinating story as well because it it points to so many different kinds of, you know, geographical issues, I guess, particularly urban geographical issues. But really, um, when when the plans were released, um, there was initial uproar, there was initial kind of outcry, and there was lots of different groups that sort of started. There was um, Save South Bank, uh, but it was a long-lived South Bank um, that consisted of a couple of guys, um, a couple of skaters, which really um, became the most prominent. And from that, they, they started to coordinate a campaign which involved um, using the skills in the skateboarding community. So there were, you know, the skateboarders, they're not just 
um, you know, lazy teenagers. You know, mm-hmm. these days, skateboarders are bankers, they're advertising executives. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're professional people who just happen to like skateboarding. So all these people chipped in and said, "Right, well, I'll design you a logo. I'll help you to sort of mount a legal battle." Mm-hmm. You know, um, so there was lots of different um, skills involved, and very quickly it became a very um, coordinated attempt, and um, which involved official. Um, official lines of, of campaigning, like I said, legal battles and um, planning objections and everything else, um, including the largest ever UK planning objection in history. I think it was like forty thousand initial, yeah, forty thousand individual objections, on, which were ceremoniously kind of um, packed up in boxes, and they were each of the skates picked up a box and skated it from the Undercroft to um, uh, to Brixton, where the where the headquarters of the, of the council were. So um, it was very coordinated, it was very kind of, um, you know, spectacularized. there was lots mm-hmm. of um, media attention and this was, was all done very deliberately. But there were also other sort of, you know, the, 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 I guess the subversive activities going on as well, you know, they would, um, you know, try and infiltrate board meetings at the South Bank, you know, film it clandestinely, they would mm-hmm. also, you know, um, uh, do sort of graffiti and other things, and you know, also do things that were perhaps maybe not quite as official. But really, it was it mobilised an entire group of people that had previously been seen as quite apathetic and quite apolitical. But really, they were they were, you know, I think it goes to show that they're not. You know, these people were very engaged, and if it, if you threatened to take away a space, you know, a, an urban space that they care deeply for, that they will be political. I mean, I spoke to. You know, kids and they were kids eight or nine years old and they were really they were, they were writing to their MPs mm-hmm. they were going to protests they were signing petitions they were doing all sorts of things so it was a really good example I think of of, of, of how you can mobilise a community which yes has its differences and has its kind of problems internally but they all came together united around this particular goal and it was a and in the end um, they won you know they they, they managed the South Bank back down, um, they managed to lobby Boris Johnson and Boris Johnson turned around in the end and said, well, look, this, the skate spot stays. So that was the final nail in the coffin, really, of, of the South Bank's plans. And after that, they, they redacted them. And it's still there, it's still thriving, and it, and it continues to be one of the greatest skate spots in the world. And so a very, a very positive story of dealing with gentrification and its processes then. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it goes back to what we were saying originally. Gentrification now is not just about housing. It's not just about the middle class moving in and doing up a house in a, in a, in a city neighbourhood. It's, you know, gentrification is a process which, at its core, I guess, involves displacement of marginalised communities um, to the detriment of those communities. And so, yes, it was a gentrifying process, albeit around creativity, consumption, cultural quarters. You know, that's what the South Bank wanted to build and they wanted to put in... Retail out for retail outlets that there's, there's already millions of them around the city, so you know it, it was just more of the same, rehashed under a different kind of rubric of creativity. So yes, it's a very positive story because it allows this space, which is inherently different, which is unique. There isn't a space, you know, skate spot like it in the city, let alone the country. Um, and so yes, it was a very positive story. And like I say, the positives don't you know extend to the fact that it was immobilised this group of people with this seemingly apolitical group of people so so yeah so um it, it talks about social movements and how they can be mobilized to um protest against some of these gentrifying um developments and so 
You work at Royal Holloway University um, in London. Do you teach some of these elements on your course then? And what, what sorts of courses do you run at the university? Yes, yes, I do. So in, um, I teach at Royal Holloway uh, two undergraduate modules specifically in second year um, cities, which gives an overview of urban theory and how cities have developed over time, looking at the global city and gentrification more broadly. And in the third year, we, I look at sort of, uh, it's called post-capitalist cities, so looking at things like the skate park and how these play a role in creating a different kind of city or creating a city which perhaps could be um, seen as going against the grain, going against how cities develop under a capitalist regime. So, yeah, so I use a skate park and lots of different other sort of examples. I, London's housing crisis, um, some of the things going on at the moment in Paris and um, in Spain, and use those as a, as a way to show that there are people who are looking to um, react against this sort of global issue of urban development. And do you have... Um social media or a blog that perhaps people as students yes, could yes. find so, you on. Yeah, I do. I will have a Twitter account, um, Ollie Mould, um, all one word. Um, I've got a blog called Tacity, T-A-C-I-T-Y dot co uh, And on that, I just have general ideas, I mean, um, about some of the stuff I've been researching, but also some other things as well. I'm a bit of a film nerd, as well, <laughs> so that's on there. Um, and yes, and the... Uh, Geography, um, Royal Holloway Geography account is very active, so you can find out more about what we do there. Not just me, we have a, a very wide-ranging um, human geography courses. So, yes, we're very active on social media. Great. Um, well, thanks very much for your time. No problem, thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you for listening. For access to further resources, publications and curriculum-relevant material to support geographical learning and teaching, please go to www rgs.org forward slash resources.